I'm Sean McCormick, and this is Optimal Performance. Exogenous ketones is essentially external sources of ketones, and it will raise your blood ketone levels. The thing is with ketone IQ or ketones in general is that it is not a stimulant. Some people, they like to say, it just gives you like energy and like and focus or similar to caffeine, but without the jittery and just a subtle, subtle energy rise. I have had a lot of people who take ketones before bed and they find their uh, sleep to be improved. That everyone is Dr. Lat Mansour, and he is the research lead at HVMN, Health Via Modern Nutrition. You may be familiar with the product Ketone IQ. You've probably seen biohackers of biohackers like Lance Armstrong, Ben Greenfield, Max Lugavir, Paul Saladino, Thomas DeLauer, the cream of the crop biohackers and personal optimization people all take exogenous ketones. And there is a million reasons why that's a good idea. Gives you energy without the jitters. It increases your ketone levels, which helps you uh, think more clearly and gives you more energy. Uh, If you have been listening to this podcast or if you just have not had your head in the sand for the last 10 years, you probably are familiar with eating keto, uh, the ketogenic diet. And now they have really mastered, really mastered the art of exogenous ketones where you take a little, take a little shot of exogenous ketones and go for a workout, take a little shot of exogenous ketones and hammer through some work that's really important. In this podcast, we talk about uh, a couple of really cool things, some some key things that I didn't know. In fact, you can drink t- ketones at night and not have it affect your sleep, which is something that I had no idea. We talk about the difference between exogenous and endogenous ketones. We talk about how ketones work in our body and what we've learned in the last five years of research into ketones. And at one point in this interview, I asked him, do ketones work for immune boosting? Uh, cognitive repair, injury repair, allergies. Like I ask him a ton of different questions about whether or not ketones work for those ailments. And some of those answers will really surprise you. This is a super interesting conversation with somebody who is really at the cutting edge of, of nutrition and optimal performance. Lat also has an insanely popular podcast and he's had guests that you absolutely, absolutely would know like Apollo Ono, David Sinclair, Jason Fung, uh, Michaela Peterson, just awesome guests. This is the type of podcast that I really love to do because I thought I knew a lot about keto. I thought I knew a lot about exogenous ketones, but I know nothing. (laughs) And when you can admit that you know nothing, that's where real progress can happen. Uh, Before we jump into this episode, I just want to say thank you to everyone for Uh, continuing to tune in and to listen to the podcast. Please, if you find this interesting, share it with your friends and family and follow me on Instagram at McCormick. Also, if you want discounts on awesome biohacking gear, please go to seanmccormick.com and uh, go to the store. Also, one more thing, What's Up Wednesday is my five-point four minute read weekly newsletter so go sign up for there while you're at seanmccormick.com but without further ado ladies and gentlemen dr lat mansoor i would love for you to maybe start by by talking about how what your sort of main key area of focus is within the company my main key area is research so my background is a medical scientist and i am the research lead of hvmn and what i do is overseeing all and everything to do with research, any collaborations with institutions, universities, researchers, that will be me, uh, any grant applications, reviewing papers, uh, publishing you know, studies and working with investigators to um, put ketone IQ out there to in a clinical study, for example. I'm also the principal investigator of our $6 million contract with the DOD, looking at using exogenous ketones to improve cognitive and physical performance in hypoxia, which is low oxygen, low oxygen environment. And that's very relevant to the military, especially when they go on to high altitude sort of mountaineering warfare, um, as well as um, deep sea exploration. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> this is so great because I've got a little bit maybe later in the uh, in the episode, I'm going to give like a rapid fire, do ketones work for X? And so it'll be interesting to hear some of your responses there. Sure. You know, you know I, I've, 
I, I think I'll, I speak for a lot of my audience when we understand what what ketosis is, what ketones are, exogenous, endogenous, why they're good, and and ketone IQ ha- seems to have really kind of nailed the packaging, the f- the flavor, and the actual quality and effect of of the product itself. But I want to start maybe with some baby steps for people, just in case people are not really aware of of the difference. So when I say ketones, there really is a distinction between exogenous and endogenous. Maybe just unpack that for us as a starting place. Yeah, sure. So we are we are going back to metabolism one hundred and one, essentially, right? So ketones are essentially the same form of substrates or fuel like how we would see fats or carbs, for example, or even protein to a certain extent. If we are you know, really deep into starvation, then we will start breaking down proteins. So why do we need so many different sources of fuel? Is because all these different fuels, they have different roles to play in different circumstances. For example, glucose is always very good when we need fast energy. When we're doing high-intensity anaerobic exercise, glycolysis, which is the first pathway where glucose is being broken down and create energy, that first part of of glucose metabolism is essentially oxygen-free. So it doesn't need oxygen to produce energy. And that's why when you do anaerobic, very fast and intense workout, glucose gives you that fast energy. But then after that, you will need oxygen anyway. So you start panting afterwards to, to really, you know, compensate with that uh, with the oxygen debt and then fat on the other hand it stores way more calories double the amount of calories sugar does right and sugar storage in the body is in main form of sugar is glycogen maximum we're storing about 2000 calories worth of glycogen in our, our body you know at maximum but we can store up to 20 to 40,000 calories worth of fats in our body. So when you go for longer endurance races or endurance run or just longer period of exercise at lower intensity where you you can keep up with the oxygen demand. And mind you, when I'm talking about oxygen and energy production, that is essentially the basics of respiration. We inhale oxygen and the oxygen acts as a final recipient of of the electron micron uh, electron um, transport chain to create atp which is energy so when we are on a longer run and a lower intensity run we have time to get the oxygen that we need so we start to tap into our fat storage because it's it's way longer um, run and and we have way more storage more calories stored in fat and therefore we can last longer so We've covered the, you know, the fast and then the slower run. Why do we need ketones? This happens when, if we look at prehistoric human beings or even um, certain, you know, most organisms, they will go through periods of time where they are hungry. You know, prehistoric humans, they don't have storage system, so they can't store their foods, right? They will go out and hunt or forage whenever they are hungry, and then they'll come back, they'll rest until they're hungry, and then they'll go back out. So during that period of time where they are in starvation, or lack of food, or going through famine, our brain needs energy. Our brain would normally run on glucose. But when you are low on glucose, you're low on glucose, you're low on glycogen, you fasted over two, three days, your brain can't stop working. Your heart can't stop working, right? Those two organs and a lot other organs involuntarily, you know, um, they just can't stop working or else you will die, right? There's organ, organ failure. So the body has evolved to a point where if we go through that, if we are lacking glucose, we are going to break down the fats into ketones and then metabolize it. Then people ask, why can't they just metabolize fats? The problem lies on the blood-brain barrier. There is a barrier that separates the brain and the blood, hence the blood-brain barrier. Um, but it's essentially just a thin layer of cell that prohibits big molecules from entering the brain. Fatty acids is very uh, fatty acids are very long molecules, and therefore it's much 
uh, it's much harder for them to get past and they can't uh, bypass the blood-brain barrier. That's why we need to convert them into smaller size molecules, i.e. ketones in the liver, and liver goes directly to the brain. And then we you know, later on found out that when you are on ketones as well, the brain actually prefers ketones when it is available. Mm. And when you're on ketones, it literally lights up, lights up your brain. It increases um, interaction between brain region, so brain network stability. It also um, increases BDNF, brain-derived neurotropic factor, which is very important for um, a lot of uh, brain function, including um, the function of hippocampus, which, is, which dictates memory and learning. So it's becoming more, of a, more and more of a center of attention here when we talk about brain health, traumatic brain injury, neurodegenerative diseases, and even mental illness these days. Dr. Mm. Chris Palmer talks about it in his book, Brain Energy, a lot on how mental illness could potentially be caused by the metabolic disorder of the brain. And he started using ketogenic diet to treat patients with comorbidities, with you know, presenting symptoms of, of metabolic disorder. But then as he, they were treated by a ketogenic diet, their mental illness symptoms also started to improve. Mm. So that is endogenous ketones. So ketones that we produce ourselves internally, endogenous internally. And then there is exogenous ketones. Now, this term is fairly new. Um, it has only entered the market in 2017 when our company, HVMN, brought the first ketone acid into the market. But before that, people have been using MCT oil to increase endogenous ketone production. So oil itself, again, it's fatty acid, it converts into, into ketones. The three main ketone bodies that we, that we produce are acetone, acetoacetate, and beta-hydroxybutyrate. The third one, beta-hydroxybutyrate, or BHB for short, is the main form of ketone that is being used as energy, but also main form of ketones that is being transported around uh, in the blood. So whenever people measure blood ketone levels, that's a blood BHB that they're measuring. So exogenous ketones is essentially external sources of ketones that you can directly consume and it will raise your blood ketone levels. Previously, we are not able to have that because there is no whole foods that are pure ketones. So with technology, we're able to create that. But also, this allows us to bypass bypass the physiological requirement to produce ketones. <clears throat> because as I said previously, we have to fully deplete our glycogen as well as really lower our blood glucose level in order to produce ketones. And that means you have to be either on intermittent fasting or on ketogenic diet where you severely restrict your carb intake. But having exogenous ketones would allow you to directly ingest ketones, raise your blood ketone levels, regardless of what physiological state that you are in at the moment, regardless of what diet you're following at the moment. Mm. Okay. Well, let me, let me ask this silly question then. Can I eat Doritos and M&Ms and still get the benefits of exogenous ketones? Yeah, you'll still get the benefit, but you also still get the side effects and the, the bad stuff that comes with the other stuff. Sure. So you know, it, it's <laughs> the way I see it. It's very straightforward. It's very scientific, right? It's objectively, if you take something good, you'll get the good stuff. If you, if you take something bad, you get the bad stuff. Yes, there is some form of net benefit or disadvantage that you can calculate, but at the end of the day, you'll still, you know, if the key, if ketones that you take in benefit your brain, and then you take processed food, and it causes inflammation and insulin resistance, ketones is not going to offset that, right? Mm. Not going to directly offset that. You, you still get the clarity, the mental clarity and the energy that you need, but then you still have to deal with the inflammation that, that may cause you know, other stuff in your microbiome or in your mood change or in your energy level, you know, all of that. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. And I'm not, I'm not trying to cheat here and, and I know it's a silly question. I, let me, let me ask it in a little bit of a different way. This episode is brought to you by BioPro Plus, the non-synthetic HGH alternative that works 
so incredibly well. And I'm going to talk to you about how I use it and why I love it. And then I'll tell you some of the details about what it is and how it works. Number one, I do not exaggerate when I tell you that BioPro Plus is the most effective supplement I've ever taken to enhance vitality. So that's energy, metabolism, that is sleep, that is libido, all of those things have been enhanced since I've been taking it, and so many of my coaching clients and you listeners can attest to that. It's super simple. It's literally the first thing I do in the morning. After I wake up and use the bathroom, I unscrew the cap to a little tiny vial of the liquid, and then I just pour it underneath my tongue, and that's how I start my day. I can usually start to feel it after about 30, 45 minutes. BioPro Plus is the faster, easier, and safer non-synthetic alternative to painful, expensive, and invasive anti-aging and hormone treatments. Before you do TRT, before you start taking a bunch of herbs that may not make you feel the way that you want to feel, you should try this. Go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP to get $30 off. You know, you know that a sponsor is a hit when people who have purchased it reach out to me and say, holy cow, Sean, I try this and it's amazing. It's blowing my mind. It makes me better at everything that I do. I love having sponsors like this that really make a difference in people's lives. And this product is, it's absolutely incredible. It's growth factors and amino acids that will help you improve your hormones, become better at everything that you want to do. So go to bioproteintech.com and use the code OPP for $30 off. Will I get a greater benefit of exogenous ketones if I'm eating slightly lower carb or if I'm, if I'm eating if I'm already in ketosis and I'm checking my uh, my ketones, you know, with a, some device, will I have a, a an even more noticeable or stronger or longer lasting effect of exogenous ketones? Yeah. So a lot of people who have been on ketogenic diet, they use it for two reasons. One, as you said, it prolongs the stage at which their ketone levels are much higher. So they 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 stay in higher ketosis or deeper ketosis for a longer period of time. And the second way of, of using ketone IQ is to bridge when they do cyclical keto diet or when they go off course. You know, they have a dinner they have to go to, they cheated, they ate some carbs, their ketogenesis uh, or the production of ketones in their liver got halted. They have some ketone IQ, it lowers blood glucose and then sort of gets them into the, ketosis zone earlier and then hopefully after when they burn all those glucose away you know overnight and whatnot um, they'll go straight into where they were what what do we know about endogenous exogenous ketones um ketosis in general that we didn't know say five years ago i think five years or even like 10 years ago i you know, i did my phd in um, diabetes and cardiovascular disease. So I looked at metabolism of type two diabetic heart in hypoxia in low oxygen environment. And as you know, in diabetes, ketoacidosis is a common thing, especially um, when di when the the condition is not being taken care of and not being well managed. And ketoacidosis is when you have really really high level of ketones and then really really high level of glucose, but then your body is still thinking that it's starving and therefore kicking in more ketones because it's just not accepting any substrates and, and converting it into energy. So for the longest time, we understand ketone as a bypass product of metabolism. We thought that ketone is just a side product. Little that we know that ketone has such a strong beneficial effect on metabolism, on brain health, and in signaling directly affecting DNA and transcription and translation. So through exogenous ketones and researchers getting their hands on exogenous ketones, now we're able to isolate that one variable because ketogenic diet, it's harder to run a study and, and really isolate to say, okay, it is the ketones that is causing the improvement in these diseases. But with exogenous ketones, you are literally just taking ketones and you are not 
you know, having other confounding factors. Because if you're on ketogenic diet, it could be the lowering of blood glucose. It could be the lowering of insulin. It could be an overhaul of your metabolism. But with exogenous ketones, now researchers are able to take people, regardless of what their diet is, regardless of what their metabolic physiological state is, as long as they're presented with certain diseases type and that disease population, we can then administer ketones, exogenous ketones, and then see if their symptoms improved. So we have had a lot of therapeutic areas in the past five years that, that started to bloom and, and started to use exogenous ketones. For example, we have um, blood glucose control in obesity and diabetes that's being done by University of British Columbia by uh, Professor Jonathan Little. We've got um, NIH is doing a research currently on Alzheimer's and dementia using um, exogenous ketones. I think, I think Stephen, Stephen Kinane in, um, Dr. Stephen Kinane in Canada, he's also done a lot of work on MCT and ketones on neurodegenerative diseases as well. In uh, Harvard, Denmark, they are doing a lot of heart failure studies. So what a lot of people don't know is that heart fa or fail failing heart, the failing heart actually upregulates ketone metabolism. And the hypothesis is, and also to a certain extent, our preliminary data suggests that because ketone is a much more efficient fuel, that the failing heart would upregulate it to really crank up the energy production and prevent the heart from failing. And as a result, so they've done this in animal models where they administer exogenous ketones in animal and in rodents that they gave like heart attacks. And what they have seen is that the hypertrophy that followed a heart attack. So whenever they have a heart attack, your heart, some heart tissue is going to die, uh, going to have damaged and, and die off. And they're going to compensate for, for that damage by hypertrophying. So growing larger so that it can still maintain the contraction um, and, and pumping blood throughout your, your, your body. What we have seen is it mitigates the damage and it mitigates the hype. Uh, I'm talking about exogenous ketones, mitigates the damage and it mitigates the hypertrophy that happens after myocardial, myocardial infarction. Mm. And they also measured the venous blood versus artery blood. So whatever substrates that goes in, they measure whatever comes out. And they found that when given exogenous ketones in the heart, it takes up ketones proportionally um, to the availability of ketones, regardless of the intake of other substrates, meaning they're not, it's not stopping taking, it's not going to stop the uptake of glucose or fats, but it's just taking in ketones on top of glucose and fats, hmm. meaning that it's like really providing the heart with the energy it needs when they have a heart attack. Because if you think about it, if you have a heart attack, what happens? You have lack of blood into the blood. You have lack of substrates. You have lack of fuel into, into the heart. You have lack of uh, ways to eliminate the waste, you know, the side products. And when that happens, that's when oxidative damage occurs. And, and, you are, you are, you know, and the heart tissues and the cells are lacking in energy and you need energy to keep pumping, right? Or else you start failing. And that's when we find out that the heart does chomp up um, ketones a lot. And recently I interviewed Dr. Tommy Wood. I don't know if you know, he's based in Seattle. Um, superb like scientist in, especially in brain health. I didn't even know this. And he told me that ketones are even preferred in the brain with, uh, of people who had um, brain injury because they, not only ketones can help with the energetics in the brain or help fix the energy deficit in the brain, but it also is being used to convert into fatty acids to then repair the cell structures, hmm. which is huge. Yeah, so that's what they have, they have seen in their studies. So um, there you go. Yeah. It's, it's, it's the emergence of having an exogenous ketone that you can literally just take it, have an acute effect, and then measure the effect immediately versus having to go on to a diet for say seven days. And then you probably like have a different um, effect 
between between people as well because there are some people who are, going, who are going to be more keto adapted and then their keto levels will go you know three four five or whatever and then if you're not that keto adapted you probably get around one so that may be a confounding factor and that may affect the end results as well hmm. Let's talk about the diet a little bit, uh, because I have a suspicion that a lot of people who say that they eat keto or they've been eating keto or um, they're following the keto diet, they may be lowering their carbs tremendously and certainly an improvement from what they were doing in the past. They slim down, they're less inflamed. But how many of those people do you think, and this is not a fair question, I understand, but how many of those people, if they're not actually measuring their ketones, how many of them do you think are actually in ketosis? It is a very difficult question. I, I don't know. I don't know. I think because um, I haven't dealt with um, a keto diet study to be honest, because my studies have always been using interventions like, like exogenous ketones. So I've read studies like with Verta Health um, who used keto, keto diet to treat diabetic patients and they've, they've seen great results, right? Um, and then comes question, because your, your question is how many of them are in ketosis? Now, my question is that if the the proportion of people in ketosis are less than half, but more than half of them are getting results. Is then the keto diet actually working? Is it mm. the ketone that's that's helping, or is it the change of diet that is causing enough stress to the microbiome that causes your body to adapt and create a new sort of system to to deal with the change? Yeah. Yeah. And I, again, like, I know that that's not a fair question because how could you know you you couldn't, but I, I have a suspicion that, that people who have made radical dietary changes, who have drastically reduced their glucose intake, who are feeling better, they're feeling lighter, they're feeling, you know, they don't have the brain fog. They're not going through like the sugar cravings and, and et cetera, throughout the day that, that are they, are they getting the benefits of just eating fewer carbs and eating less processed foods, or are they actually in ketosis and have that sort of taste in the back of their mouth that a lot of people do that when they, when they actually do get into ketosis. Um, and, and I suspect that a lot of people aren't necessarily in ketosis. They're eating keto, but they're not actually in ketosis. And I, and I think that the opportunity for them is probably to take some exogenous ketones to amplify what they're already doing and changing uh, and repairing their sort of metabolic rate and and really sort of reprogramming their metabolism. I'm I'm sure I'm sure you I'm sure you agree. Yeah, of course. And and you know there are studies that show people you know having the same calories. One group literally just eliminate processed food, just having whole foods, same calories, and they saw you know weight loss versus the other group. It's as simple as that. It's just you know, a lot of signaling that comes with different substrates and, and the hot topic in metabolic science these days is metabolite as signaling molecules. So metabolites are essentially anything that you eat, any, any sort of minerals, nutrients, um, you know, it goes from like proteins, carbs, fats to magnesium or salts or potassium. All of these are not just good for our bodies, but they are also signals that our bodies use to communicate between organs, between cells, and therefore create this sophisticated web of information network, which then will regulate the system in our body in order to create the optimal environment for our body to thrive in. And mm -hmm. optimal environment in terms of optimal temperature, optimal pH, acidity base, and um, optimal um, viscosity or optimum, you know, water soluble sort of environment versus fat soluble environment, you know, some enzymes, some hormones are better in, in certain environments. So that's what it's doing. Like, it's just not, it's not just providing us with energy, but it is also a form of information that our body takes and respond to. Um, so, and, and another point to that is, 
changing the diet, as I said earlier, you know, having that stress, most people, when they do that change, they will go through some form of positive change, especially when it comes to weight loss as well. And that seems to be very common. And as you said, you know, if you do want to get the benefit of the ketones, um, having exogenous ketone would definitely help upregulate the ketone metabolism. Because as I mentioned earlier with the um, rodent model on heart failure, they have also measured all the enzymes and proteins which are related to ketone metabolism. The transport protein that transport ketones into the, the mitochondria, the proteins that converts ketones into energy, all those enzymes are upregulated acutely. So within a short amount of time after you have exogenous ketones. So that being said, I would assume that basically prepares you better when you have your own ketones. Because when you take exogenous ketones, it doesn't last forever, right? You will burn it off, especially now that we know most organs, they would chomp up ketones like no other, and they would prefer to take up ketones. You'll burn it off within a few hours. And then what, right? If you're already on a keto diet and you are benefiting from that, um, you are seeing an upregulation of these enzymes. And, and I think my hypothesis is it'll make you just be more keto adapted and more prepared to then metabolize whatever ketones that your bodies are, your bodies are making. Mm, cool. On the note of, of nutrition and sort of dietary approaches, can, can carnivores be are are couple questions are carnivores in ketosis do carnivores and here's the tricky part right because i know you know just as well as i do over the course of the last maybe like couple of years that the strict there's the sean baker carnivore right which is like ribeyes <laughs> period you know jordan peterson ribeyes but then we have paul saladino who has shifted his yeah. carnivore approach to include honey and, fruit. and fruits, yeah. right? Which to me was like, wait a minute, I, I'm, I'm, that seems to me like because if you are eating a fair number of fruit and you're and you are eating honey in addition to the ribeyes, that is going to give you glucose. That is going to spike your glucose tremendously. So I guess it's a it's a roundabout question, but is 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 Paul Saladino's approach to carnivore which includes honey and fruit he must not be in ketosis but is jordan peterson and sean baker who are just doing salt and ribeyes and water and that's it are those guys in 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 ketosis i think people who are on strict carnivore for sure they're in ketosis because they have high fat high protein no carbs right it's a simple equation um one really simple way to do it is to measure the blood ketones it's as easy as that you know save us the guessing work. Yeah. Um, and I think what Paul Saladino is using, I interviewed him on a HVMN podcast as well. And I think it boils down to what is your goal? Is your goal to mm. be in ketosis? Is your goal to actually upregulate your ketones? Or is your goal just having high protein, whole fruits, and a bit of um, carbs, uh, a bit of glucose from honey? If that is your goal, like what Paul is doing, then I don't see anything anything wrong with that. But if your goal is to really upregulate ketones, right, and really drive ketogenesis of your own endogenous ketone production, then you probably have to cut out those those carbs, unless those carbs are less than you know I don't know twenty grams a day, twenty to fifty grams a day, then that should still be considered a keto diet. Hmm. Um, one other thing about exogenous ketone, like Ketone IQ, there's a paper that got published as well that, uh, by an independent researcher. Um, we didn't pay for that study, but he basically looked at three different exogenous ketones, including a Ketone IQ. All of those managed to drop blood glucose level within an hour of ingestion about almost like 50 points. So that's another way of having a Paul Saladino sort of type diet, mm. but then having a sausage ketone to make sure that your sugar doesn't spike that high so that it doesn't spike insulin and therefore you can still maintain ketogenesis. Mm. Okay. But, but yeah. Yeah. So yeah, that's, that's, that's the interesting part. That's very interesting because for those of us uh, who enjoy birthday cake a couple of times a year, 
And I, and, and we're, we're getting personal here, but I just finished the 75 hard challenge. I don't know if you've, you've heard it, but it's 75 days in a row of two 45 minute workouts a day, a gallon of water. It's a bunch of these requirements in a strict diet. And my diet during this period was no flour, no processed sugar. And it was, uh, uh, I had some cake. It was my son's birthday party. My mom made a cake. And I was going to, my, my, my challenge was over. I was going to eat some cake. I had some cake. Do you think that if I had had ketone IQ directly after, or maybe even before the cake, that that would diminish that glucose spike? It does. It does. It It has shown. Yeah. It has shown in studies. So I've got, I have, I've had people in conferences where they have a continuous glucose monitor and they'll come and have a shot at the booth. And then an hour later, they, they walked by and I was like, check your glucose. And then they checked, they couldn't believe it because they just had lunch. Interesting. So See, this is a common, um, I don't know, I would call it a side effect or a pro, you know, depending. Uh, some people who have very high metabolism and often get hypoglycemic, they might have to be careful when they drink it because then it might put you too low of glucose and they'll start having the shivers and feeling cold. But generally people do feel good after taking it, especially if they take it with food. Um, the good thing with ketone IQ is that when you take it, regardless whether or not you take it fasted or fed, um, your blood ketone levels will not get affected. You'll get the same level of ketones. Whereas ketone esters, for example, it spikes you really high. But then if you have a full meal, the spike actually diminishes and you still get the crash a few hours hmm. later. Is it more optimal to take ketone IQ before the meal, with the meal, or after the meal if I'm I, doing sort of damage control for birthday cake? I honestly don't think it matters because I know that um, blood ketone levels go up as soon as, as you drink it. Like if you measure 15 minutes after you take it, you'll see you see your ketone levels rising already and they all continue to rise up to two to three hours. Hmm. So take it close to when you eat. I mean, depending, I mean, you're not going to eat your, your, your meal for like an hour and a half, right? Yeah. You're going to get like, you're going to eat maximum like 20 minutes. So I don't think taking it before or after uh, would matter as much. Interesting. That's cool. Can you, can you overdo it on ketones? Cause there's always somebody in the crowd there, you know, the biohacker, the, the, the Ben Greenfields, like that we were talking about earlier, yes. who is going to chug, you know, uh, a liter of ketone IQ. Like, can you do too much? You'll, you'll be surprised. Um, <laughs> Cause my, my podcast with Ben is coming out tomorrow. No, coming out on Thursday in two days. And during, <laughs> during that recording, we already had some ketones before the podcast, before the recording. And then he had um, some ketones in his bottle, water bottle. And during our recording, we also like popped open those little ketone IQ shots. At least three of them, I think. I, I lost count. And we just like drinking it in a little bit. And yes, you can overdo it. I think the way we, we look at metabolic, metabolic health and the way we look at metabolism in general, it should always be an optimal level. It should always be a Goldilocks zone. We are not piling on everything as long as we think that it's good. Just because something is good doesn't mean that you need to pile it on and on and on. And I think it's it's part of um, then this is me coming as you know as a foreigner as an immigrant coming to this country. Like US is a great country. It's 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 developing much faster than the rest of the world. Some people might argue that you know, um, but like when, when you go, I've only lived in New York and San Francisco, right? So these cities are like, people are go-getters. They, they always strive for the best. They, they want to achieve to be the best. And they've got people from Stanford university, from Columbia university, you know, they, they want to be the best in the world. And it's so, we're so used to the mentality of like, okay, more, more, and more, more is and better. More is better. You know, I need to pile on my degrees. I need to pile on my credit, credibility, my credentials. I need to pile on, you know, I, want, I need to make more and more money. But when it comes to metabolism, we need to find that optimal zone for us. Hmm. Because no matter how good something is, when you take too much, it's going to be bad. Uh, same thing, protein. 
protein is generally very good. A lot of people, you know, a lot of podcasters, a lot of doctors out there are saying that we have a problem as a population, as a human population, we are consuming less protein that we, than we should. And therefore that is also contributing to the obesity and diabetes problem. But the problem is when you take in too much protein, it is still calories. So it'll still end up being, you know, part of it being converted into your storage system, either in glycogen or fats and, and interconverted. Now, when that happens, you are going to be upregulating inflammation and you are going to be, you know, increasing risk of obesity and all of that. So yeah, vitamin C, it's good for you, right? Antioxidant, you take too much of it, you're just going to pee them out right? It, it, your body is just going to excrete it out because you do not need that much. Same thing here with ketone IQ, right? You want to be in between one to 2.5 millimolar of blood ketone levels. And if you're not familiar with where your blood ketone level is when you take ketone IQ, for the first few times, just check your blood, blood ketone levels. After the first few times, you basically know where it is. That's the beauty of exogenous ketones as well, because it's dose related, this dose response and, and dose dependent, right? So you take this much, you know that your blood glucose, uh, blood ketone level is going to go this high. So unlike keto diet and you're like, oh, I wonder what my ketone level is today. Might be two, might be five, you know, let's find out kind of thing. If I work out more and then it might go up. So whereas with exogenous ketones, you know what you're getting. So it's easily monitored mm. when you take it. And we normally don't advise people to take more than three doses per day because that is what the FDA grass says as well. Um, but we have a lot of athletes who use it for exercise and they know that they are burning through the, those ketones in their bodies because they'll measure their blood ketone levels and they'll start dropping after you know first few hours and then they'll just top up and they'll have more than three doses. So I think you know, anything more than three, it's up to your discretion. I mean, it, you buy the product, it's yours, right? Like I can't, I can't tell you how to live your life, but um, <laughs> you can certainly do too much of it if you, if you just, you know, just sitting down doing nothing. And it's, it's energy, it's calories uh, at the end of the day. If, even mm. if it's good for your brain, it really makes you like, you know, have the clarity. You don't need more than one, two doses. If you take anything more than that, you just end up storing it. Mm. What is your favorite or preferred method for measuring uh, ketones? Do, what's the, what device do you like the most? Um, I I honestly only believe in blood ketone levels because blood ketone directly measures your blood BHB. Acetone, it's it's um measuring breath, um, and you're measuring acetone, and urine test is measuring acetone acetate. Those two different tests. I suspect, I mean, I know uh, to a certain extent, once you are more keto adapted, you're going to have less acetoacetate and less acetone out because you're more um, efficient in converting it into BHB and really metabolizing it for energy. So it may not directly reflect how ketotic you are. Hmm. Um, so blood ketone levels, which is blood BHB is the, the most direct and most reliable way, as far as I know. Um, they're coming out with a continuous keto monitor uh, these days as well, So, which is very interesting. You can just look at oh, how it, yeah. There's already one out in the market? And our CEO got his hand on one of them. Um, there's a study that published by Abbott um, by their device as well. So yeah, we supplied ah. to them before. Ooh, that's yeah. interesting. Yeah. I mean, C so, CGM is one thing, but yeah, CKM, yeah, CKM, that's something else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I use Keto Mojo or or Abbott's um, yeah, Precision Extra. Doesn't matter to me. Like, it's tomato, tomato, really. Um, as long as you you know where you stand um, as far as your blood ketone levels go when you drink one dose versus two doses versus, you know, if you do it after workout or before workout. I think you just need to know your body. Okay. So if you're talking about over, overdoing it, um, how important is timing? Uh, if, if I, so like tonight, you know, I've got, I've got my ketone IQ. I, I took some yesterday before jujitsu. I have jujitsu again tonight. Is there a point at which it's kind of too late in the day that I'm, am I going to, am I going to generate more energy, you know, too late in the day? Like what are best practices there? This is uh, an amazing question 
because a lot of people think um, or a lot of people who you know search about ketone IQ they're like oh it gives you energy it helps with performance but would it keep me up at night the thing is with ketone IQ or ketones in general is that it is not a stimulant coffee is a stimulant coffees is a a um inhibitor for your adenosine uh, receptor so it stops you from feeling fatigued right but it has half-life right? and when you, its half-life is gone you will feel really tired hence the crash but because it's blocking your receptors and making you not feel tired you if you take it too close to your bedtime you will not be able to go to sleep or you it may affect your sleep quality the difference with ketone is that it is not a stimulant. It doesn't stimulate or increase your energy demand. It literally just provides energy directly to your brain and your body. So what coffee and caffeine does, it stimulates, not only it blocks the receptor, but it also stimulates and increases energy um, demand. So as a result, we are upregulating our heart rate, our blood pressure, our stress hormones in order to up our energy production, but it doesn't pre it doesn't directly provide you with the energy. We still have to get the energy from somewhere, from our foods, from in, within our body storage. But ketones, uh, on the other hand, it's just a form of energy that that gets provided to your brain and uh, your body. So depending on what you do, if you take ketones and then you exercise, yeah, you feel awake. But then I have had a lot of people who take ketones before bed. And they find their uh, sleep to be um, improved. Hmm. But that's anecdotal. We tried measuring that in a study. There is no detrimental effect. There is no, 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 no improvement either. Hmm. So I don't know. Um, as far as HRV goes, that's what we measured. But you anecdotally, we have people reported uh, an improved level of sleep. And I've got a friend who take it every night before bed. Ah, so you that when you did do the study, it was you studied exogenous ketones and its effect on HRV. Yeah, uh, for seven it was, days, it was there, there was no significant difference. There was, huh. yeah, it wasn't bad. It wasn't good. So huh. at least we're we're transparent about the science. But yeah, but, but we are looking into um a more elaborate study, an elaborate sleep study with some experts from Washington State University. Um, with the military to see if if it actually works on um, you know, with those devices that they have, which is way more sensitive compared to what we had, because we only had like um, wearables. But these sleep um, researchers, they basically have to participate like sleep in the lab and have electrodes like stuck to them and all mm -hmm. of that. So we'll see if if that can tease out any effect that ketones have on, on sleep. I'd be super interested in that, uh, not because as a, as a sort of a lifestyle factor for people who, you know, who are eating keto and taking his exogenous ketones, who, you know, maybe they're weekend warriors, you know, work hard, play hard types, maybe they're competitive athletes. It would, I would be super interested to see what, you know, moderate or even higher dose, you know, exogenous ketones would do to sleep, you know, cause maybe you know maybe it improves REM sleep or maybe it improves deep sleep yeah. yeah it'd be interesting to find out um i want to do rapid fire and some of these questions are not going to be fair and you're not going to want to answer them quickly because you're going to be like well kind of i don't know the data that's the thing that. with metabolic science right with biology it's it's never a straightforward answer it's never right. a yes or no it really I'm gonna tell you right now. Most of the most of the, most of the answers is gonna be it depends. It depends. Oh, I, I, that's okay. I, I assume that there's at least gonna be one or two that are gonna be a hard yes. You okay? Let's say this just so I want I want to be fair. Let's say yes, no, or it depends. Okay, are you ready? Okay. So when it comes to um, endogenous or exo or exogenous ketones having an effect on, and then we'll fill in the blank. Uh, or, or let's just say like a positive effect. Okay. Um, longevity. Yes. Uh, immune, the immune system. Yes. Mitochondrial health. Yes. 
gut health. Inconclusive. That's not one of the three. It was either it depends. <laughs> it depends. Yes. It depends. Okay. It depends. Okay, we'll keep going because um I, we well let, let we'll okay. circle back. Okay, we'll let's circle, we'll back. circle back. We'll circle okay. back. Um, inflammation. Yes. Uh, chronic diseases. Yes. Uh, cognitive diseases. Yes. Autism. Yes. Injury repair. It depends. Okay, so we got we got a bunch of yeses, and we got a couple of it depends, and the independ the it depends is were for gut health and injury repair, and I and I threw in autism because I had heard that elsewhere, and I'm just fascinated by it. So let's maybe then circle back and like unpack the gut health one. Okay, so gut health. I don't think there is a direct study, uh, a study that directly looked at ketones and gut health. But I did interview a gut health expert uh, from Supergut. And he talks a lot about butyric acid, um, which is a short chain fatty acid, which is really, really good for gut health. BHB is beta hydroxybutyrate. And we actually, both of us on, on, our, on my podcast, we were just like talking, you know, as scientists, we're like, they have the same name. They have the same structure, almost similar structure, right? It's, do they interconvert to each other? Uh, and he didn't know that. I didn't know that. So we went and Google it afterwards. Uh, and it turns out to a certain extent, it does interconvert to one another. We don't know what triggers it, but if it really does, then hydroxybutyrate, uh, sorry, beta-hydroxybutyrate may very well contribute to the increase in butyric acid that will have positive impact in gut health. Hmm. If that, if, if you're happy with that answer. And I, that's satisfactory. Yeah, I, I get that. I get that. Some, some potential. Like uh, not direct, but it indirectly. Yeah, that's great. Uh, the other, it depends, was around injury repair. Also, one thing to add on the on the gut health as well. Um, of course, like if you take ketones, exogenous ketones, it'll probably will have way less effect compared to your daily nutrition intake. Because hmm. your daily nutrition intake is your daily nutrition intake. Like your gut works on those like maybe 95% of the time, and then any other supplements, the rest of it. So if your diet itself is pro-inflammatory, it's right. bad for gut health and all of that, like whether or not ketones can help, we can't, we can't even see it because it overwrites it because of how bad um, the foundation is. Right, right. And they have an indirect sort of cause if your if your appetite is suppressed and you're not going for junk food, if it, you know, lowers inflammation, which you know occurs everywhere, including the lymphatic system, including the gut, then there's an effect there potentially. Exactly. Yeah, that that's interesting. Okay. Uh, okay. Injury. Injury repair. So it depends because if you look at brain injury, yes, it does have a positive effect um, in animals. And we are proposing a grant to look at humans. We are actually applying for two separate grants uh, to look at the military population because they, are, they have high risk of brain injury. And what we know for a fact is that acutely when people have had brain injury or concussion, within 48 hours, they have hypermetabolism of glucose. So they upregulate the glucose metabolism in the brain and really pull in a lot of glucose. Some people, some researchers think that that is because they need a lot of energy to 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 help with um, the inflammation and 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 mitigating the damage. And then some other scientists also found that they are, sh you know, shoving. Now this is getting a bit nitty gritty. They're shoving the glucose into pentose phosphate pathway, which then create NADPH, which is then um, good for the recovery of the brain. And then a week to you know months later, they started to see hypometabolism of glucose, which is the decrease of glucose metabolism in the brain. And that causes an energy deficit in the brain. So having ketone in there, being 
able to be pulled in by a complete different transporter because glucose goes into the cell via glucose transporter. Ketones go into the cell via MCT, monocarboxylase transporter. So they are from different, different transporters. So even if they are not receptive to insulin or insulin resistant, or for some whatever reason, that glucose intake pathway is being inhibited, they can still take in ketones and that should fix the energy deficit. Mm-hmm. And also in the long run, we know that ketones have anti, anti-inflammatory properties and we know that also brain injury with high inflammation could also cause a lot of oxidative damage within the brain, which then leads to a higher risk of neurodegenerative diseases as they age. Whereas other injuries like joint injury, I don't know if ketones can help that, mm-hmm. right? Um, it's cartilage, it's collagen, it's protein. Like it's a different pathway. Uh, it's not energy per se. Um, it's a lot to do with wear and tear. And there are some people asked if, if you know, oh, I, I broke my toe or like my knee got dislocated. Can it help with my recovery? I'm like, It'll help you with energy level. I, I don't know if it would directly help with the recovery of the slight recovery um, mm. in your knee or in your toe or whatever. So that's why injuries like it's it's big, right? Like, you know, myocardial like injury as well, like heart, heart attack, it showed to, to have helped um, with the energy deficit again. So I think the way we look at injury and ketones, we should look at what causes the injury. Is the injury causing the restriction of blood flow and therefore creating restriction of fuel going into the organ and then creating the lack or deficit of energy. And that's where ketone can come in. That's how I would look at it. And then Hmm. over the long-term inflammation, yeah, you can argue um, ketones and may help with inflammation with your joints as well. But inflammation is one of those things. It's like, it's very hard to measure. You can measure like C-protein and all of that, but I think because it's a, such a prolonged process, nobody's interested to measure every week or every, you know, yeah. and, and, and you have to be in a controlled environment to really isolate, to say that, yes, ketone is directly decreasing the, the inflammation biomarkers, inflammatory yeah. biomarkers. Yeah. Yeah, very, very thoughtful answer to that. Yeah, I appreciate that. Um, maybe just a, maybe just an anecdote on, on the connection with autism and autism symptoms. Maybe if you could share what, you know, so this one, I only knew not directly from, from a study that I've done or anything. Um, I just found out from, um, Dr. Chris Palmer, actually from, from Harvard, um, while I interviewed him and I thought it was all genetics, right? But he said, no, there is a huge correlation of the metabolic state of the mother before giving birth to the um, occurrence of autism in the child. So having said that, I think that's a lot to do with the connection between metabolic disorder of the mother passing on to child and then looking at the metabolic disorder of the brain in the child as well. If there is some lack of nutrients or lack of energy that leads to autism in the, the child's brain. So yeah. it's, I think the research stage is still very new on that. Yeah. I heard it mentioned um, Dr. Christopher Shade from Quicksilver Scientific uh, had him on a while ago and we were talking about, you know, dietary changes for, for, you know, relieving autism symptoms. And he were, we were talking about heavy metals and, uh, also, you know, ketogenic diet. He, he mentioned when he's like, it, it works. I've seen it, you know, I've, I've thought a lot about it, done my own research on it. So, um, maybe a, maybe a T a TBD, a to be a to be determined on, on the, the connection there. But I, that's interesting that the idea that the sort of metabolic dysfunction being then passed, passed on, uh, in utero, I think is really interesting and something to think about. I mean, if you think about it as well, like the only source of energy that the child is or the baby is getting 
is via the mother. So whatever metabolic disorder there is, it affects the efficiency of the mother in creating energy mm. and producing energy and passing on to that um, child. So whatever hormones, whatever enzymes that is being upregulated and downregulated, I believe that, you know, this is outside of my area. This is just purely from a scientific um, theorizing way of thinking. Um, the, the baby might see the state, the metabolic state as the norm, as the normal state, and therefore sort of recreating or replicating that within their, mm. their own. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, let's ask a pediatrician, you know, let's, let's ask somebody who actually is an expert in this area. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's super interesting. And again, like I, I, I hear how you're, you're being careful about speculating, but I, I think it's an interesting, it's one in 32 now, or it was one in 64, I think in some for some strange reason it's like one in sixteen in in the state of New Jersey like crazy like why who knows just crazy statistics it's it's near and dear to my home uh, just because my my father uh, works with with kids with autism and has for decades and decades and it's just the the prevalence is is there anyway right um so I I've got I've got one more sort of idea thought I want to run by you and then we'll, we'll, we'll put a, put a nice bow on the end of this, this interview. Um, so let's say somebody says, okay, I've known about a ketogenic diet for a while. I've never done, you know, I don't, I don't have the habit. I can't, I can't test my, my, my blood, uh, ketones. I'm going to invest in that. And I, I, I really want to go gung ho on, on get, getting into a ketogenic diet. And I want to help myself with the assistance of exogenous ketones like ketone IQ. And let's say that person says, okay, I'm going to go for it. Summer's coming up. I want to slim down. I want to look good. I want to have the energy to work out. This is my plan. Let's say they want to do like a three day or five day water fast just to kind of kickstart their metabolism, maybe reset their gut microbiome. And really focus on water consumption and, and ketone IQ for those for those three days, and then really launch into a ketogenic diet. Does that does that sound like a good idea? Do you think that that would be an effective way for really anybody to kind of kickstart their their keto approach? I think that's a great idea. In fact, I've known a lot of coaches um, and trainers who have tried that method because it's difficult for people to go or jump straight into a keto diet, especially if they're not familiar with it. And they don't know when they'll be in ketosis because they've never actually experienced it. So one way for them to experience it is to have exogenous ketones because you can subjectively feel the difference within minutes. And then you know how that feels. And then mm -hmm. you go on the diet, you know when you're in ketosis, even without measuring your blood ketone levels. That's great. Well, you've opened up another question then. What <laughs> uh, what is that feeling? I I know what it feels like, but but how do other people characterize it? It's a lot of people ask me as well when when we're in conferences. Like? What, yeah, how do what do I expect? Yeah, like, what do I expect? To feel? I have the, I have this shot of ketone IQ and and they're ready to take it and they're like, but what do I what will I feel? Yeah, and it is really hard <laughs> to explain because it's a subjective feel of mental sharpness um the way i explain to them especially when i'm doing a podcast is it i feel like my brain and my mouth is connected and they're working in tandem and and working at, at the same pace most of the time my brain is working faster or my mouth is working faster and, and i just can't connect them but when i have ketone iq it connects very well and therefore allowing me to explain complicated science in a much more coherent manner. So that's how I, I, I frame it. But some people, they like to say, it just gives you like energy and like think and focus or similar to caffeine, but without the jittery and just a subtle, subtle energy rise. Um, but I think the best way is to give it a try because right now we are available in Sprouts nationwide. Oh, and nice. the first shot is on us. So you can go there, scan the QR code, and we'll reimburse you for the first shot so you can try and see how it feels. Excellent. There you go. I got a Sprouts near me. Cool. Well, this this has really been 
fantastic. And, and I feel like we could probably go for another three hours because <laughs> I have other questions on here, but I want to. There be- you go. Joe Rogan style. <laughs> yeah, right. Go yeah, my long. prep, my prep for Joe Rogan. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we'll we'll kind of complete with a fill in the blank question that I ask for every one of my guests, and this can be based on anything that you know. It doesn't have to be specific to endogenous or exogenous ketones or ketosis in general. And you can elaborate as much or as little as you like, uh, but please fill in the blank. Everyone would benefit from knowing. And then blank, right? Everyone would benefit from knowing their metabolism better. And how can they know their metabolism better? Just measure. Like there are so many things out there that you can measure. Like you can have your blood work done, um, listen to podcasts, just learning how metabolism work. And, um, you know, shameless plug, you know, follow us on HVMN podcast. We talk a lot about metabolism and metabolic health. Um, you know, follow your favorite biohacker, but favorite doctor. They talk about metabolism. I think learning about metabolism because a lot of people think that metabolism, oh, that's just for scientists or that's just for geeks and nerds. And But if you know your metabolism better, you know your body better. And if you know your body better, you are better. You are in a better place to manipulate what you want to manipulate in order to get the goals that you have set for yourself. Hmm. Whether it's aesthetically, you know, externally, or physiologically, internally. Wonderful, wonderful. That's powerful. Thank you so much, uh, Lat Mansoor. Thank you so much for joining me today on the Optimal Performance Podcast. Thank you for having me so, and and I've enjoyed this conversation so much. 